we're Stein back. Is that is that where we're going with? Are we yeah. starting now? Yes. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Welcome. We're just going. Welcome yeah. to uh, what is this? Not just any book club. Yes, we're back. It is. We're back from our from our break over uh, over December Christmas winter break. Um, Sorry about that. We thought yeah. we were gonna upload an episode, but we didn't. Yeah, we, we were supposed to upload a Between the Chapters episode, but we didn't end up doing that. We'll get back on it next uh, month. Next month, we're not doing a movie for once. We're going to do some Hemingway short stories because Hemingway, like what, you got to read some short stories there. Um, Here's that, not me. <laughs> that's not true. You all you wanted to, to not do movies again. Okay. Hold yeah. on a second. No, no, no for, Hemingway, for, for Hemingway. Oh, for Hemingway. Yeah. Oh. That was all yeah, you well, ever, well, they'll find out that you hate Hemingway next month. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, anyhow, this month we read um, John Steinbeck. Uh, I guess for maybe first-time listeners, if they if they listen in, if they choose the Steinbeck episode, I'm Pierce. I read Cannery Row. I am Justin. I read Grapes of Wrath. I'm Lucas, and I read East of Eden. Ooh. East of Eden. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, J- Justin, do you have... I know you were you were looking some stuff up about your book. Do you have some information on Steinbeck? Uh, of Steinbeck? Um, I, I did read the, the, the foreword, but it looks like I'm not taking notes on that. But oh let's say God. that... I don't feel like you might have got the spot. We did, um, let's just he say that... A guy. He was a guy that wrote a lot of books. Um, he, he grew up in okay. California. His, he was a modernist author, right? Huh. He lived in California, that's true. And he wrote with a focus on the common man. Um, he wrote about, like, an average, like, working person. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that was in a city, like in Canary Row, or whether it was... Like people who were working on a ranch, like in or was it a farm on uh, of mice and men, whatever it was. Um, yeah. You know, the the average worker is what he really really focused on. Specifically during the Great Depression, I believe every yes, single book he, he did. made is during the Great Depression. I believe almost so. every. Is, at least, is that the case with East of Eden? Because that's, I think that was his most popular one that was it came out in 1952 so that's pretty far separated from the great depression in actual time luke what's up was east of eden did was was did it take place during the great depression yeah that's a good question pierce let me talk talk to my sources oh Oh, no um beginning of the 20th century end of world war one ah wow that sounds so no not really I don't Very know. Could be. Decade no, off. Great Depression is is pretty far after that. Yeah, it's the 30s. 1929, I I think almost like the end. That's where it end. starts, yeah. 1929. Well, that's why we're not a history podcast. <laughs> no, it started in 1929, I'm pretty sure. That was the, the like year the Black that Oct- the like, bank thing happened. Yeah, Black Friday yeah. during October. Oh, right. yeah. The end of the story is around World War One. Okay. Well. Okay. So well, couldn't remember if it was two or one. <laughs> Starting um, with something great, yeah. So uh, I guess real quick, we've talked a little bit about Steinbeck. Um, he, uh, we'll, I mean, we'll get into his writing 
in 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 a minute i suppose um but just elephant in the room i guess um two out of three of us have already read of mice and men and the third is reading through it right now um but none of us read it for this podcast so um i enjoyed it when i read it though yeah it's really good it's been a few years so i don't think i'd be comfortable talking about it <laughs> since software in <laughs> high school <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh but i would recommend it if you've never read it before luke um, do you recommend it even though you're just about to finish it he really i'm halfway it. through it oh what do you think so far uh it's okay all right glowing review from luke yep <laughs> uh yeah so none of us read uh of of mice and men what order do you think we should go in should we go with mine since my you guys read yeah. like two of the most his most important yes. works so i feel like we should probably start with mine you yep you yeah. took the words right out of my mouth okay well i read cannery row um, not to say it's not an important work. I would say most of the things that John Steinbeck is, is still known for are pretty well known. I would say so, actually. I, w- I went to – I picked it up from Half Price Books. I walked in, and I went in wanting a different book. Uh, I forget exactly which one, um, but they only had one copy of it, and it was really beat up. And I was like, I think I'm okay. I'll read a different one. <laughs> And I wanted to read uh, a, like a, a short a novella or a short short novel, um, and the only thing that they had that wasn't like decently beat up that was in pretty good shape was uh, was Cannery Row. And I had read about Cannery Row, and it was on like my short list of things that I might want to read. Um, I I just I guess I just figured with John Steinbeck, his two most important books are like five hundred, four hundred, and five hundred pages. Um, and, uh, I thought I'd let other people handle that considering I've done plenty of episodes where I've randomly picked a 500 page book. Wait until you get into the fantasy month. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, Guys, wait, wait till you hear what I read for fantasy month. I'm, I'm in the middle of it. (laughs) All right. Well, um, yeah, anyway, so I picked up Canary Row basically on a whim on a chance. I didn't really know much about it. Um, and I don't believe it's very high up on his like list, like the like most popular uh, books. But um, I think it's really good. It was really good. Uh, once again, like with a lot of the books I read, it didn't have very much plot. Didn't really have a focus on the plot. Um, the plot, very simply, is um, Mac, uh, one of the residents of Cannery Row. Uh, and his friends want to do something nice for um, the doctor who lives in Cannery Row, Doc. Um, and they want to put together a party and some things ensue. I'm not going to spoil it because, like, what little plot there is, like, I, don't, I can't talk that long about it without getting to the end of it. Um, but some things ensue and... Uh, you know, basically, like the whole community like grows together a little bit from the events that happen from the from Mac and his friends wanting to um, put this party together. Uh, and the the real good part of it is not the plot. Um, it it starts with them doing like a job for Doc, and then they like want to put together a party, um, and then that and like it's it's very like this and then this and then this. Um, 
But the really good thing about Cannery Row is the characters and the mm -hmm. way that the characters interact with each other, the little community that Steinbeck builds in like 180 pages. It's like nothing. Um, and the way he does it is 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 kind of masterful as well. Um, I'll talk a little bit about the characters in a second, but one thing I did want to bring up was that he, um, the way that he's doing it, you basically get plot like every other chapter. And between that every other chapter of plot, you get like a random like five-page story about some random resident of Cannery Row who's not even like related to the plot. Like they're not even in the actual like plot of the story except for like maybe one time they show up in like the party that they're having say, that's exactly what he does in the grapes of wrath he does okay, okay. yeah that so so that's something that he does and it's done really well it too it really gives well. you like a it, it kind of gives you like this broader sense of of the setting and the people in it without having to like directly tear your attention away from the plot like the plot is still happening it's just like hey we're gonna look at this for five minutes um yeah it's 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 done really really well um and it i think for cannery row i haven't read grapes of wrath yet but i did buy it today so i probably will read that at some point soon um but uh at least for cannery row i think it's really important because there really isn't much of a plot to speak of um the the whole point of the book is seeing this community and seeing um, the camaraderie between these people. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to talk about a few of the characters, I think, um, and kind of show how he, how Steinbeck kind of shows that they're, they're like working together. Uh, there's Lee Chong. He is a Chinese owner of the neighborhood grocery store. I will say a um, little bit of a warning. The the dialogue of of Lee Chong oh. is a little uh, um, hmm, uh, stereotyped. Is it? I fair should for say. Its day? Is it what? Is it like fair for its day? Is like kind of like progressive? Like oh, this is take the representation they can get, or is it just like I, oh. I would say. I would say for for its day, the representation of the character is fine. Um, the the accent is still it just feels a little iffy the the okay, like a little yeah i would say like like the characterization like lee chong i was about to get to this he's a good person and you can okay. tell like he he basically um gives his his the stuff he's selling away to the residents of, of cannery row on credit and sometimes he even like wipes the like they can't pay so he'll like let them work for him and and basically wipe the credit completely away and just be like that's fine like you you did some work for me instead of paying me for the like huge bill you racked up um so the characterization i think is 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 really good given that he's uh, i think the only chinese person in in the book i would expect that to be the case but i could be wrong i guess um so he's, you know, characterized as a really good person. The only thing that's a little bit on the iffy side is is the accent. 
that he's chosen to employ. But um, I don't think it's done. I don't think there's ill will there. I think he just, you know, he just mm. it, it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough thing. I think, um, and you know, if you read it, you can be the judge of of if it's not done well or not. Mm. Um, but uh, and then Doc, um, the Doc is not. I don't believe he's really a doctor. He's like a marine biologist or something. Um, but he does like help, like he does, uh, like do some medically medical things around the community. Um, at one point, uh, Mac and his friends, uh, who are freeload, actually they're freeloading in, uh, in a building that, um, Lee Chong owns. He lets them stay in this building that he, that he, uh, got at the very beginning of the book. Um, Mac and his friends get this dog. Uh, and Doc comes over and he's like, you know, I don't really know anything about about dogs. Um, but he he basically tells them what's wrong and they it gets better. And then like hmm. all the Mac and his friends are all happy. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, anyway, the point is he's he's not a real doctor, but he's like, I don't think. Um, but he's like really he helps out the community a lot. And that's why Mac and his friends really want to do something for him. Um, there's a woman named Dora and she runs the bar. Um, she, uh, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't remember a ton about her, but she's like, she tries to keep everyone kind of in line in, in the bar. Um, and she, she runs, um, she kind of runs, a. uh, prostitution part of the bar um uh, uh, basically like out of it uh but she keeps it the thing that i do remember the most about it and i think it kind of speaks to what steinbeck is trying to say about prostitution and and you know that kind of operation in general um she still has like standards so she doesn't um sell hard liquor she tries to keep prices like honest um given that i believe they're in the middle of the great depression it's kind of a kind of an important thing um she doesn't even allow people to be vulgar on the like in the building i believe oh, interesting um steinbeck is like it seems like steinbeck is trying to say like you know think be moral or I don't think he makes a moral judgment. I think he just he just says like basically like sex work can be honest. Like it's not they're not going to be like dishonest people. Like they're just trying to make a living and they might be good people aside from that and you can make your own moral judgment about the actual thing that they're doing. But it doesn't make it doesn't like infect the person. It doesn't make the person bad because they're um because they're engaging in that kind of uh of um of work yeah. uh but yeah uh and then there's mac he's i believe middle-aged um maybe a little bit older than that uh but him and his friends are a bunch of freeloaders and uh they have some of the highest like bills in uh, at at lee chong's store in town 
and they don't have jobs. I think one of them has a job, but that's it. And he uses it to like steal alcohol from the bar that he works at. Uh, <laughs> and um, none of them have, none of them really have jobs. Um, they freeload and they, uh, they're kind of one of the centerpieces of the plot because they want to help. They want to do something nice for Doc. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of other characters who are. Oh, there is actually one other Chinese person. I forgot Chinaman. Um, Chinaman. Like yeah, he man. like he gets mentioned a few times. He he walks through uh, the town and he doesn't really hmm. say anything to anyone. He's going towards the ocean. Um, but yes, um, yeah, so he's, he, I guess he's, there's technically one other Chinese character, uh, but yeah, there, there's a bunch of other characters who all get like, it's, it's really quite slice of life. It is. Yeah, it is slice of life, but I was going to say it's really quite well written that you get this really good characterization of this whole like cast of characters like a whole bunch of characters um and yet the novella is under 200 pages um it's it was very good and i recommend it i think it um i'm gonna try and read some more steinbeck so i can see exactly like kind of where this ranks as i read more of it it's not he's not top of my list to like run through it but um, I'll probably read some more, but I think if I had to guess, I would say this one might be a little bit underrated um, in terms of like, you know, really good Steinbeck works. Have you read the sequel? Canary Row has a sequel. It does have a sequel. I have not read the sequel. It's called Sweet Thursday. Oh, it, yeah, it does have a sequel. And it was made into a musical, which is nominated for nine Tony Awards. What? It's called Pipe Dream. Hmm. I yeah, I didn't know that either. <laughs> I was like, hmm, I'm gonna go look at the Wikipedia page. I'm like, wow. Let's mean it to a musical. Um But yeah, there's there's like and I think this is I would imagine this is probably true of Steinbeck's other work. There's this kind of like romanticization of of like, you know, living on the fringe like kind of Mac and, and his friends do. Um, and like all the people in uh, this area do in different ways. Um, there's this kind of like romanticization of, of, of poverty in a way where they're like, not necessarily like being poor is good, but like the community that is built in this poor neighborhood um, is romanticized. Uh, and I th I thought it was really good. I was I think it's worth a read if you have read other Steinbeck works and liked it. Um, yeah, yeah. That do do you think he makes any pol um, political statements in that? Because I, I I know they made something about sex work because um, he has made um, quite a few enemies with his uh, literary works because um, well his books have been accused of being propaganda. Just mm -hmm. FYI. Um, leftist socialist propaganda, which I don't know. Yeah. Um, and this, I, he was alive during the 1950s, so he was under scrutiny by the HUAC. That's um, funny. Well, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, I, I, I could see why some people would 
might think that in that time when it was kind of like crazy, like everyone was kind of scared of socialism and communism because of like the Soviets. Um, because it does romanticize like, like I was saying before, like the life of the worker, right? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a central focus of communism is the, is like the worker and how good it is to be a worker and how fulfilling and, um, et cetera, et cetera. That's, I mean, that's one idea of kind of, there's many other ideas of communism, but anyway, the point is, um, it would fit right in with that kind of idea. Um, so I can see why some people might make that connection, although I wouldn't call it propaganda. Um, but yeah, he does in this book specifically, I don't think he makes too many political statements outside of sex work. Um, and again, the sex work, it's not even a moral statement. It's like, Matter of people fact. aren't people aren't bad because they do an illegal thing basically mm. um people aren't necessarily bad because they do something that some people view as immoral uh, i don't think that that is necessarily a, a super political statement but it is political somewhat um everything else like this book is mostly more about like camaraderie and community and um I would say there's like kind of an aspect of nostalgia almost um, in love for your community and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but there's there's not – I wouldn't say this is like an overtly political book aside from the romanticization of worker being a worker. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just say that Grapes of Wrath was very, very controversial, um, which I don't know why. Well, by the way, Luke, was your – was East of Eden under any scrutiny by the government? For being propaganda. No, I just don't think the critics liked it as much as normal people. Which is weird because you know as Steinbeck. Much normal people. <laughs> Steinbeck considered East of Eden to be his magnum opus, so yeah. But it was a banger. It was probably. <laughs> um but Grips of Wrath, um book got banned in a lot of places for being propaganda, which and um California, California worker uh whoever owned the California farms. They also didn't like it because of uh, the show the, the plates and how, you know, unbased they were during to these people um, that they called the Okies. Um, actually, the government really did not like Steinbeck. Um, J. Edgar Hoover, allegedly, um, who was the director of the FBI at the time, um, since they couldn't prosecute Steinbeck for being part of the Communist Party, he got the um, the IRS to um, audit his taxes every single year of his life just to annoy him and um, banned all his book. There's there public burnings of Grapes of Wrath. Um, so why why might this book be what? Yeah, <laughs> I cannot. I that is unbelievable. Yeah, the 50s, man. What a wild time to be alive and yeah. like books. <laughs> um, Grapes of Wrath is a, a book. It's a sweeping epic about um, a family that is just migrating from Oklahoma to California. And um, a lot of stuff happens, as in it's just one very long road trip. They make multiple stops just to have some work, and sometimes the work doesn't work out. They meet a bunch of people. Um, and it's... I, I, it is a very simple story. Um, I'm not going to get too much into the story because the story is just, um, it's just, it's a road trip story. It's point A to point B. It's more about the characters and it's a very large family. Um, and you can see that um, there are many layers to this because of um, apparently like 
Steinbeck knew the Bible very well, and there are multiple layers to this. As in, you can interpret this book in, in you can interpret this book in surface level, where it's just basically a bunch of people trying to go through the Great, Great Depression from Oklahoma all the way to California for some work, or you can interpret it as this biblical thing uh, where every character is a metaphor or something in the Bible. And I'm not very familiar with the Bible. I am trying to read through it just so I can greater appreciate some literature. But um, after looking at it, it, it is very plausible. Um, and like Pierce said, every chapter um, is written to be, uh, every alternating chapter is written to be one um, about the, the plight of the Jode family, which is the, the protagonist um, family in the book. And the other um, is just not specifically about, you know, one individual person, but it kind of takes a step back from the narrative and looks at America as a whole. And it just talks about um, how some just random people, um, people that are unnamed and we don't know are experiencing the great depression, how they're being forced from their land and how they're just being really upset with that. Or um, sometimes how nature is just, um, being screwed over um a lot of symbols with like the turtle that goes on for a very long time and i, I think it was very well written um there, there's still too much dialogue in my opinion where i it was it was adapted into a film but i i just don't um it kind of stymies the prose a bit um because i i think steinbeck is this brilliant writer who uh, has some magnificent prose uh, which is evident in the alternating chapters where he talks about just the migrant crisis and how of this great depression is affecting America. Uh, and, and those are some of the best chapters I've ever written in any book ever. And uh, it's when it comes to the Job family, I personally just find um, the story or my enjoyment of the book to be a little less than stellar. Um, as in, I, I find the characters to be way too passive, which again, kind of adds to the tragedy of the book because they're victims of their own circumstance. They can't fight back against the world. Um, they have to be passive, but man, sometimes I would just like a little bit of agency in this character um, to just fight against it sometimes rather than be sufferers of um, the circumstances that surround them. Um, there's some really mean people in the, uh, and how they treat Okies, um, which is like a slur for Oklahoma uh, refugees. And um, yeah, it, it's just, it is very unfortunate uh, as to how um, they were displayed because I, I wasn't alive during the 1930s, but I would like to presume that this is not entirely unfounded in truth because Steinbeck did visit like refugee camps, Hoovervilles, and interviewed them um, just to talk about like, hey, what was it like to be traveling all that and incorporated into the novel. I don't know how much of that is true, but uh, a lot of it is, is incorporated from real life because I, I, I don't think that um, Steinbeck was a fan of making stuff up um, or not making stuff up, which like doing being disingenuine and how it betrayed people um, and their plates. Um, really, um, I, it, it's a very beautiful novel. Um, not my favorite book that I've ever read, but I greatly appreciate it. Um, if someone were to say, hey, it's my favorite book, I probably, would, I probably wouldn't, I pr I wouldn't be mad. Um, it's this great time capsule into what it was like to be in the Great Depression. And I don't think it was sensationalized. I think um, talking about the Dust Bowl like this is very valuable for history. Um, the way that it portrays just some of some really very unfortunate circumstances and how people were very desperate to survive and needed some work. Um, and again, I, I understand why this book can be considered propaganda or anti-capitalist propaganda because of uh, how people were just like kicking the ever living snot out of people that just wanted to get some honest day's work. But I don't know. 
I, I think that adds to the tragedy. And that ending, oh boy, that was uh, that's quite beautiful. So yeah, it is the great American novel, in my opinion. Just not something I really enjoy reading. Anyways, uh, yeah, and don't ban the book. The book's great. Don't ban it. The high Please praise once again. Don't ban it. <laughs> Hot take. Don't ban books. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Oh, apparently the movie um, kind of changes it from the the book a little bit, as in they end it like a few chapters early, so it may or may not end completely differently on a completely different tone than is the ending here. So if it's a sad ending in the book, it might be a happy ending in the movie. Why would you do that? It completely, the, completely just, it just defeats the purpose of the book, but I don't know. Apparently there are songs about this book as well. I may listen to them. There's an opera? What? Sorry. <laughs> I was looking at the Wikipedia page. Where should I get some Sheen wrote a book? About? What? Bruce Springsteen? Hold on. Oh, that's an entire album about Tom Joad. I, I okay, anyway, yeah, my, my, my thing is done. I just like there's a there's a lot on, on this book. It has pervaded American culture. Um I'm pretty sure Pierce has heard about this before he's heard about any other book by him. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was I I mean I've I read of Mice and Men before I read well, I haven't read The Grapes of Wrath yet. Um, but I read of Mice and Men and I'd heard of this book before I'd heard of the book that I actually read. So hmm. Yeah. Um and Pierce plans on reading it soon. Hopefully I I, I through my rambling, I kinda, you know. Made him want to read it more, and I'm pretty sure Luke Luke's gonna read it. I think he's gonna go burn through entire Steinbeck's entire bibliography. No, I think I'm gonna stop after these three. At least I'm not gonna buy anymore. Okay. Kind of broke. Oh, okay. That means, I'm like, wow, you didn't go after his other famous book. Okay. Is it me? I yeah. Yes. I mean, unless you have anything to say about the Grapes of Wrath, like where did the title come from? I don't know. Are there evil grapes in this? At least I know where the title of my book came from. Where does it come from? The Book of Genesis, baby. (laughs) Does he he lay down some biblical references? Yeah, I mean, the whole story is about the Cain and Abel setup. You guys know what that is? Um, Oh, yeah. Cain kills Abel because he's jealous that Abel gave a better gift that God likes better or something. Huh. Right. The entire story, the entire story is kind of revolved around that, right? So two brothers in the book are Charles and Adam. I mean, come on. Adam has kids that, um, uh, no spoilers, but Adam has kids that are named Caleb and Aaron. So <laughs> are you seeing the flow of the story a little bit here? Yeah. Well, now you kind of spoiled it because you just got <laughs> Once you draw that direct illusion, I'm like, I know yeah. the story's going to go down. I, I mean, know. I you feel no like you, the story's going to go down. To be fair, I, I feel like you could also have video. drawn that direct illusion for yourself when uh, when he said one of the main characters' names was Adam. <laughs> <laughs> and not so, to mention yeah. East of Eden is a obvious biblical reference. Yeah, oh, East sorry. of Eden is the last three words of the like verse about Cain and Abel it ends when he uh Cain gets expelled east of Eden into the land of Nod or something hmm 
And so, yeah, he, so he like read that and was like, yeah, that's going to be the title. That's pretty badass. Yeah. To be fair, it is a sick title. It is very sick. Graves of Wrath is a really cool title, too. Um, mm-hmm. Well, okay, I kind of want to explain where it comes from. Sorry to steal your thunder, but it comes from a song a, 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 called The Battle Hymn of the Republic. Um, what, what is this song? Uh, it, it references the Bible as well, the Book of Revelation. Um, it's about final judgment and all that. Um, mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage for the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. They also name dropped the grapes of wrath in, in one of the sentences. I was like, oh, oh, I want to highlight that. Which, if I were to read this book, I would highlight it again. Anyways, Luke, go on. Uh, real quick, though, my book's title comes from a part of a city called Cannery Row. What? So, <laughs> whoa, that's deep. <laughs> All right, where was I? Charles Allen, Caleb, Aaron, Cain, Abel. Yeah, okay. So we we got that little motif, and so the book is a. Uh, he does another one of these character-driven things. So we're focusing on two families. One of them is the Charles Adam Caleb Aaron setup. Those guys are out in Connecticut. And then uh, at some point in the book, the, um, one of them heads over to California where they meet the other family. And I don't even remember the other family's name, even though I like them so much better. Hamilton. The Hamiltons. There it is. And Does the other the, family have a, a shorter? Because you just named a bunch of names and then the, the other family. Oh, no. The other family is actually way bigger. And there's okay. and there's no uh, fun naming conventions that they follow between generations. Oh, oh <laughs> generations. Yeah, yeah. There's like three generations. Oh my god. Two generations. Three generations for Charles and Adam's group. Two generations. Well, technically three. Um, Five hundred ninety-nine of... pages in my edition for East Yeah, wow. this thing. Yeah, this thing's like six hundred or something on the dot, and um. The other family is loosely based off of Steinbeck's own extended family. Hmm. So he's actually like in the book a little bit. Like as a, as like a kid. He's like in the book. Insert fan fiction. Kind of. He, he makes a cameo. Yeah, he makes a cameo in his own book because he's talking about like his grandpa or his great granddad or something. I think it's wow. his grandpa. Yeah, I think it's his grandpa and his uh, aunts and uncles and stuff. So that's kind of cool. And so um, they move out. This, most of the story takes place in California. And it's just, it goes absolutely nuts. There's some crazy shit that goes down. But uh, I, mean, I don't want to spoil it too much. But Pierce, we also had a Chinese man who spoke in a very race, uh, like racy accent. Yeah. But the, but the funny bit was like two chapters after we introduced him. Uh, the grandpa of the Hamilton, Sam Hamilton, comes over and that like he totally just drops the accent, just like completely just like, yeah, I was only faking it because if I talk like that, they make me work less because they think I'm stupid or something. <laughs> and the other guy was like, dude, that's sick. <laughs> and then like halfway through the book, he just like stops the accent altogether because nobody cares anymore. <laughs> Everyone just likes him. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I thought that was kind of funny. Um, and that's not even that big of a spoiler. But yeah, they also have the um, 
Chinese people as some like giant um like think tank. So they had this they wanted to interpret this book, uh this verse from like the Old Testament and they had to um transfer it over from Yiddish. Is that is that spoken or written? Can you write in Yiddish? Yiddish, I, I believe you can write in it. I know Yiddish is like Hebrew and German. Like uh, kind of, it it's like closely Hebrew. related to both. Anyway, they, yeah, so they had to translate the Old Testament from like the original language, whatever it was Hebrew, Yiddish, I'm not sure. And uh, uh the it was Hebrew. Okay, Hebrew. So yeah, and so like <laughs> he sent it to a bunch of like Chinese elders who just all they do all day is learn stuff, apparently. So there's like a whole group of them and all they do is smoke opium and like talk and think about things. So they like learned Hebrew just to translate this part of the book for him. Wow. I don't I don't know if that's real or not, but that sounds that was absolutely nuts. I I guess just real quick to correct me, Yiddish is descended from German, not related to Hebrew, but it's it has it's borrowed a huge amount of uh words from Hebrew because it's kind of closely tied to Jewish communities. Anyways. Gotcha. And so he's in there. He's great. His name's Lee. Um, what can I go about without spoiling the book? Well, I think <laughs> at least one of the good things about Steinbeck is that his kind of themes are kind of so on the nose that even my little pea brain can get some of them. Going to med right. school. Pea <laughs> <laughs> brain. <laughs> I memorize, bro. I don't think abstract thoughts. Okay. Um, yeah, so the book kind of, to me, was a, a big thing about, like, free will, um, being, like, going above being better than what you were raised as, kind of. Mm. Because, um, you know, the Charles and Adam, Caleb Aaron situation, they're all kind of, like, raised in specific ways that... <laughs> Kind of follow the book of Genesis a little bit. Spoiler hmm. alert, not really. <laughs> <laughs> and so it takes a while, but to like break that cycle. And then uh, it's like, oh, yeah, you can do this that, like, you know, you kind of want to because I've been an ass to you, or you can be a good person. And they're like, oh, crap. And it takes 600 pages for them to like really, for that lesson to really hammer in. <laughs> And, like, there's a whole bunch of side stuff. Uh, the Hamiltons family is kind of funny because, like, every once in a while they'll just have, like, a full chapter that's dedicated to Steinbeck flashbacking, talking about his, like, grandma or his aunt or something that, like, you don't see in the book that much. There's a whole chapter dedicated to how, the uh, like, the grandma sold a bunch of war bonds. And then hmm. she sold so many war bonds she got to fly in a plane, but she didn't believe planes existed. Wow. You but didn't believe planes existed? Yeah, I said something about God's creation was never meant to be in the air. It's supposed to stay on the ground or something. I don't know. It was pretty good, dude. This book is absolutely nuts. Like, you read it, like, the first third to, like, a half of the book, you're like, man, this is, like, a crazy, but this is, like, you know, like, a classic. So you're, like, oh, expecting something different. And then the second half, it just goes absolutely like i can't even say anything because john justin wants to read it so yeah <laughs> i also want to read it at some yeah. point yeah so i won't say any of the crazy stuff but i'm like i'm like looking at the book and i close it for a second i'm like what did i just read 
What is this? Wow. It's pretty cool. I wish I was um, that excited about my book. Just <laughs> 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 like um what else do i want to say about it that i haven't already oh yeah so i read the wikipedia because i read this book in like december mm-hmm. to get onto it and this totally pissed me off a little bit but um there's a whole talk in the book that uh sam hamilton adam one of the charles adam caleb aaron people from that side of the family and the uh, chinese dude lee have a deep conversation about um they're all like well since cain killed abel we're all descendants of cain so we all got that you know bad blood in us or whatever we all got that inner jealousy in us and it's up to us to make good or bad men of ourselves and that's like wrong (laughs) from the bible (laughs) because adam and eve right had a third son seth who like replaced uh abel after abel died and Noah is one of Seth's kids. And so all of Cain's descendants died in the flood. So we're, we're made from Seth, not from Cain, which was kind of annoying. I didn't even know. I, didn't, I don't know anything about the Bible, but I saw that. And then I like Googled it up and like looked at it. And I was like, oh, that kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I may not know what this book is about, but I really want to read it. <laughs> okay, so I did a good job then. Yeah, yeah. I sold, I sold you on it. Yeah, because yeah. you're just saying this book's crazy. Not to say that the Grapes of Wrath is bad. It's not mm-hmm. bad. Um, it's just it is very slow because it takes its time to build up every character, but it spends it. It kind of overdoes that a bit because it will spend like two pages talking about how to um, bleed out a pig. And I'm like, come on, bro, Steinbeck, you gotta, you gotta hurry up a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I guess to build up the world, but like, sometimes it takes it a little bit too far with just how slow he takes things. But that's I, just me. I, I will say it slower in this book too. I will say though, um, for, for those of you who, who have not noticed, or maybe this is your first episode, Justin has like a completely different opinion on classics from me and Luke. I know me, me and Luke obviously also don't agree on everything, mm-hmm. but like me and Luke have, I think we end up, we come at it from different points of view, but we end up liking similar classics. And then Justin is I'm, kind of separate from us. <laughs> Cause I would say I'm closer to Luke in the amount that I liked Cannery Row than I am to Justin, which I know we all liked the Steinbeck book. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, I think I'm closer to Luke than, than, than Justin based off of your guys' descriptions. I think the only time we've ever united against Pierce was Kafka. Cause we're like, ah, Kafka's all right. And then people are like, Kafka. Yeah. You guys just don't get it. You don't get it. <laughs> you don't get it, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, one last thing. One last thing. Mm-hmm. I am. I've never been a guy who like gets invested into characters like that much. Like you're, you're more of a I, like, I like characters, but I'm not like diehard character fans in movies or TV shows or nothing. You want it to be good, but it's not your, like, top thing. Yeah, I'm a die-hard Sam Hamilton fan. Oh, no, you're you're doing, like, a fandom thing. You're going to (laughs) pick Sam Hamilton fan art. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Twilight all over again, where you're just like, oh, Team Edward, Team Jacob. Are you going down that route? 
he's taking a sip of water. Deep Sam Hamilton. Yeah, maybe. He was he, he was just like in a class of his own. That was such a cool character. No, yeah, none of these characters really. Okay, well now I'm just I just gotta keep on. Now I'm defending the book. Good for Wrath. They're they're, they're great characters here. Um, just like none that are really related. I I can empathize with them because uh, you know they're they're going through the ringer in a really bad situation. But just like passive characters are not my thing. Um, I don't think people like passive characters in general. But just like they're too passive for me, man. Give them some agency. Um, I think Tom Joad is probably my favorite character. Uh, who I barely described, but like he just didn't, just didn't. I don't know. I I, I want to read more Steinbeck because I love characters. I'm like the anti Luke over here. I just give me a book that's solely based on characters, and I will love it. Um, I don't know for some reason, Grapes Wrath just didn't tickle my fancy all the way through, but that's me. Steinbeck, if you're listening, make it make a book about characters again. Yes, Steinbeck, if you're <laughs> listening personally. <laughs> well, uh, is that about wrap it up? Do you guys think? Yeah, he thinks. In closing, thinks. all right. Uh, basically, all in all, read Steinbeck. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, give it. Give him a. Give him a shot. I know, like, um, you know, Grapes of Wrath and East of Eden are very long, but like. You know, read a novella, read Canary Row, read Of Mice and, of Men. Mice and Men, see if you like him. Because I, I would, from the Of Mice and Men and Canary Row that I've read, his writing style doesn't change drastically. I don't know if that's true for his longer novels. So if you like one of those, you'll probably like the longer novels. And then you can say to people, hey, I've read Grapes of Wrath. Hey, I've read East of Eden. Okay. <laughs> not everyone I've can read, say that. Not everyone can say that. I've read these very important books um but anyways yeah give give steinbeck a try very good author um yeah join us next month for uh for hemingway if you're interested in that which you should be because i really i really love hemingway i don't think all of us are about to survive (laughs) (laughs) if if you're wondering the the differences i was pointing out with me and luke and justin me and luke love hemingway for different reasons and justin does not love hemingway at all (laughs) yeah um so be also be sure to um you know maybe read old man the sea because we've all read that and we all have yes well i haven't read it yet i'm going to read it i have not read it yet i was saving it for i wanted to do hemingway month a long time ago i was saving it for hemingway month um but i've read a bunch of other hemingway stuff uh but yeah um yeah if you want to read old man in the sea it's pretty short uh and uh then that's one book that I'm sure we'll all have things to say about. <laughs> yeah, we might have only one podcast to us by the end of the next month. <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, join join us for that. It'll be a fun time. Uh, also follow us on Twitter at Not Just Any Pod. Uh, you can find information on this podcast as well as our other one, which is about tabletop gaming. We're playing D and D right now on. Um, not just any RPG, which you can find on YouTube, Twitch, and a podcasting platform. Um, the one you're listening on right now, probably. Yeah, which now? you can also rate us five stars <laughs> yeah. if you're on there. Because you five can do stars. that now on Spotify. Yep, subscribe, follow, whatever it is like. Um, that about wraps it up, right? Yep, make us happy and goodbye, Prometheus. Oh, it's Call back. Him. It's back. I never thought I'd say I missed it, but I guess I do. Or I did. <laughs> <laughs>